these messages and I, I put them on our podcast and and people listen to them, you know, visiting and, and or away or ill and and someone uh, emailed me this week and said, did you really start last week's message by calling the congregation a bunch of losers and a bunch of quitters? <laughs> and I said, you had to take it into context, which means you have to listen to the other 18 minutes. But I did. I did. So I will not do that again. <laughs> but wasn't it fun? But uh, for the past few weeks, we've talked about our response to God. We considered our driveway moments where we wait on anticipation of what God is doing. I equated it to, you know, pulling in the driveway or parking lot and there's a song on. You just want to wait till the end of the song because, you know, or or after the news story because, you know, something good's coming up. And so we have these driveway moments with God um, and we're so excited about what he's doing or going to do or what he does through us that we kind of hang out for a minute and pause. And after that, we, we learned about the one thing that can ruin the relationship we have with our Heavenly Father, right? And what is that? That is the unrepented sin. And last week we were reminded of how true, how we truly win when we surrender our will, when we give up our fears and our trust and we put it in him. We also contrasted what surrender means versus simply giving up. And that's, if you weren't here, that's why I said we're losers because we've lost ourselves to God. And we're quitters because we quit worrying about things. And by doing so, we win. And I want to remind you, like I said, that all these are available on the, you know, the podcast, which is a resource that, that when we're traveling, we can listen to or if we miss. And, and uh, I tell you what, it's, it's done pretty well. I, you know, people that, that we miss that aren't here are still staying connected to this church this way. And I, I certainly want to encourage that and welcome that and, and, and leverage that is to keep people connected to us. And certainly... Certainly, there's value in being here on a Sunday morning. God calls us to gather together for worship like this. But uh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful that uh, we have such a, a great community of believers around here. But as we were progressing through this message series, over the course of the past few weeks, there were several verses that seemed to express a common theme that I want to talk about this morning. I'm going to start with those verses. One of them is John 1.16. It says, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. That's the NIV version. Uh, another version says, we have all benefited from the rich blessings he brought to us, blessing upon blessing heaped on us. Okay. 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Or Ephesians 1, 8. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Or Malachi 3.10, which my young son, when he was young, we used to call Malachi. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Ephesians 3.20, now, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And the last one, Matthew 18.21, you'll remember this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. And the congregation said, no, seven, seven, yes, that's right. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. There's a resounding theme in these verses as we went through this series the last several weeks. God does more than is expected, okay? 
when we limit him to what we expect, he blows us away with these blessings. And this brings me to the title of this message, which is Add a Zero. Now, I know that I began last week's message on surrender by standing up here and telling you guys look like a bunch of losers. But you guys were great sports, and I appreciate that. But, but I'm not even going to say you're a bunch of zeros. In fact, I have enormous respect for each one of you in this congregation. We have an awesome congregation. And as I was preparing for the notes for this message several weeks ago, I was thinking about all the ways and times that God loves and forgives and blesses us so abundantly. And the image that came to my mind was as if I was having this conversation with Apostle Paul after reading the letter he wrote to the Ephesians. And, and I visualized, you know, Paul who, who says, it's more than you can imagine. It's, it's lavish, thing, heap on heap on heap. And I thought I'd say, I visualized, challenge him um, that God would do more than I can imagine. Because I have pretty vivid imagination. If you want what heaven looks like in my head, it's pretty darn amazing. But he says, no, it's better than that. So I have this image that I'm writing down some stuff. I'm saying, okay, Paul, here's what I'm thinking God's love is like. Here's what I think forgiveness is like. Here's what heaven's like. And I slide it across the table. He goes, nope, add a zero, right? And that's where that background slide comes from. That may bring back horrible memories from your elementary school math days. This decimal place value chart. You remember this from elementary school math? Like ones, tens, twenties, thousands. But what's interesting is when you move the decimal or you add a zero, it grows exponentially. Well, there's a math word. It grows by tenfold, right? Every time you move it, it's not a one, it's a 10. It's not a 10, it's a 100. It's not a 1,000, it's, it's 10,000. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about, that kind of context in, in reviewing God's promises. And this morning, we're going to look at just seven of God's promises and how he goes beyond our expectation and certainly beyond what we deserve in every single case. First one, he has promised to supply every need that you have. This is from Philippians 4.19. It says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now notice, God has obligated himself only to the extent of your needs, which are what? Food, clothing, shelter. Is that what we think of? Great. Is that it? No. I mean, because there's more that we actually need, and God promises as well. What about companionship? Didn't he create companionship? Right? Even all the way back to Adam and Eve. And, and what about love? Didn't he create us to love and experience and give love? And he meets that need. And what about salvation? Don't we all need salvation? He meets that need too, doesn't he? Well, he's promised all that and he's delivered. And that's because God knows what we need better than we know what we need. But his promise does not include this extensive list of things that we want. Although he's really good at taking care of those things when it's his will to do so. And we, we love that when he does that, right? And it's so easy to consider our basics need as a given, right? That's just the cost of being alive is I've got food, clothing, and shelter. Yay, you know, I'm content. And we easily take those for granted until they're at risk, right? Or we notice another that is doing without. Maybe this time of year as it gets cold, do you see someone that maybe doesn't have a warm enough coat? It's heartbreaking, especially when it's a child. We may also consider anything over and above this as a blessing. You know, if we've got our basic needs, our food, clothing, and shelter, food, water, and shelter, that, that you know, that's all we need, and anything above that's a blessing. And that's true. That's true. But don't miss that the basic provisions of life are a blessing, too. We are blessed to have all that we need. Matthew 6.26 says it this way. Look at the birds of the air. 
They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now, one thing that I notice when reading this verse in preparation for this morning's message is that God takes care of his entire creation. He meets the needs of everything he's created. There's a system, a process, an ecosystem, right? But we are called to care for it. And that's a part of our responsibility here on earth to be good stewards of this creation. A second promise is God has promised that his grace is sufficient for us. And this is from 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. In fact, he has made provision for your salvation by grace through faith. This is Ephesians 2, 8. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. God has promised grace. And not only that, he's promised that this grace is enough for you to cover your sins, right? And that's a whole series in itself. But that's one of God's promises that he outdoes. And the more you mess up, the more he's having to outdo himself, right? To cover up this this gap between who we are and who he calls us to be. The third promise, God has promised that his children will not be overtaken with temptation. Instead, he assures us that we have a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And I want to give you a word of warning here. Don't test yourself on this one. Just because God assures a way out does not mean that you should be dabbling on the fringes of sinful ways. Just because you know that you can repent the next morning doesn't mean that it's okay to do that. All right. His desire and commandment is that we do not sin, period. But his promise is that he will provide a way out and will forgive you if you repent. It is a dangerous gamble to begin down that path, and any addict will tell you that God may provide a way out, but it is extremely difficult to recognize and choose to take it at times. So it's just best to avoid the temptation altogether. One in particular the Bible warns about specifically, this is 1 Corinthians 6.18. It says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Talked about that this morning in Bible study. Your body's a temple, and you defile the temple. It's the residence of the Holy Spirit. The fourth promise, God has promises victory over death. Now, this is cool. First, he resurrected Jesus, right? And that paved the way. Peter said, God has raised Jesus to life, and we are all witnessed. Okay? They had seen Jesus, who was crucified, dead and buried, walk among them. And the thing is, we were resurrected with Christ, okay? In the spiritual sense. Okay, so death has been overcome. Satan has been overcome in this way. God has promised victory over death, and we can claim it. We can claim that. Fifth promise, God has promised that all things work together for good of those who love and serve him faithfully. This one gets misunderstood a lot. We'll come back to that in a second. But Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And the thing is, it may be difficult for us to see, because we want to see the good in this situation, don't we? We want to be a part of the good or the solution for somebody else, and that's not always the way it works. 
couple years ago, we did, a, we did a, a message series, and it was, who am I in the story? And we looked at the parables, not from the main characters, but maybe the bystanders, and how your role in some of the, the, the way God works in other lives may not be the main character. It may just be that you're sharing the testimony in that story. And the truth is that we may actually never truly see or understand what good has been accomplished. You know, and that's what we call our faith. God, I have faith in you that you're going to take the situation, use it for your good. Even if it's not something I see, your good may be good for other people. We talked about that this morning in the Bible study. Some horrible things that people had experienced, but good had been come from it. Not because the situation was good, not because God said, I will do this to you so that you will learn a lesson. He just says, this happened. And from this, we'll grow closer. You'll learn to trust me and to turn to me. But it's God's promise, and he keeps his promise every single time that he will use the situation for his good purpose. And don't confuse us to mean that all things are good. I wish it was that easy. God acknowledges that bad things will happen to us. In fact, he promises that as well. But his promise is that he is there with us, and he retains control. The sixth promise. God has promised that those who believe in Jesus and are baptized for the forgiveness of sin will be saved. Mark 16, 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, there's not a lot of black and white in this one. The nice thing about Christianity, it's, it's not necessarily easy, but it's very simple, right? Repent. Stop doing what you're doing. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. Believe wholeheartedly in God. Follow his ways, okay? The rules are spelled out there. It's not... Just do better. Just try harder. That's not how it works. It's nice. And we have a guide where you can find out what you need to be doing and how to get there. But Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is so incredibly important. So incredibly important. And I want you to think about that. And if you've been baptized, great, awesome. You know, and I'll be honest, I was baptized again as an adult because I, I have jokingly say the first one probably didn't take very well. But I made a, de a definite other decision as an adult and I recommitted my life and I wanted to go through the baptism process again because I wanted the symbolism of that new commitment. So if you haven't been baptized or you feel like there's more to be done there, give that some thought. Okay, that's what the church is here for. Let's do that walk together. The seventh promise, God has promised his people eternal life. And this is better than defeating death. This is eternal life. This isn't just, you're not going to die. This is, I've got a better plan for you. And it's better than this. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That's John 10, 27, 28. We're in God's right hand. No one will snatch us out of his hand. He has us there. My sheep listen to me. I know them. I love that. He knows me. He knows my name. And friends, these are just seven of God's promises that are found in Scripture. There are so many more because God is a God of truth and not of lies. Everything he says in Scripture is a promise that you can rely on. I want you to open your Bible. I want you to look deeper into these seven promises and find more and then claim them. Because that's God's desire for you, his children. He goes, know what I owe you. Know what I promise you. Claim that promise. 
I know there are times when this may seem simply too good to be true. Or perhaps you or someone you know is in a season of your life or some circumstance, you feel like these promises have gone unfulfilled or, or maybe your prayers are even unheard. That's what it seems like. If that's you, don't remain quiet. I want to hear from you. Let's seek the answers to your questions. Let me come alongside you. Let this congregation come alongside you and let's help you reconnect with God's promises. So adding a zero, God's abundance pours out on on those that call him Father. Right? You call him Father, and God's abundant love and forgiveness, it just heaps out, right? So do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Do you know God the Father? Do you know the Holy Spirit and where he resides? If so, then do you know how much he loves you? Whatever you think that is, add a zero. Do you know how many times God will forgive you when you repent? Whatever number that is, know how high you can imagine, add a zero to that. Do you know how great heaven will be when you are continually in his presence? Whatever you think that is, multiply that by 10 and 10 and 10. Let's leave this place this morning with the confidence of knowing God's promises and the boldness to live a life that gives him the credit for his abundant love and what he's done for us. Let's pray. Father God, I've said it before, you are amazing. You promise so many wonderful things and you just ask for us to claim them. We don't have to seek you. We don't have to seek, seek uh, you know, do more, try harder. God, you said, I promise these things. If you do this, when you do this, I will do that. That's what you tell us. Repent and you will be forgiven. Love others. Show them the love that I've shown you. Whatever you can imagine for how great life can be, I can make it better. If you, whatever you can imagine what heaven is like after this life, I can make it better. Those are your words. It's greater than we can imagine. So help us to accept that challenge and repeat that here on earth. However we think we can love another, let us... Let's go beyond that. However think we think we can serve another, let us add a zero to that and let's, let's just outdo any crazy expectation or hope that someone might have. For however how many times someone needs our forgiveness or our help or our love or our compassion, let us just outdo ourselves. Lord, your word says whatever measure we use is the measure that you use, but you pack it down overflowing, heaping into our own laps. Let us use the greatest measure that we can find of Christianity in the way we love and serve others. God, as always, I just thank you for this church, not only this building, which is beautiful and warm and comfortable, but this congregation. The love it has for each other, the love it has for you, the love it has for the community. God, what a wonderful place to be. What a wonderful thing to be a part of. And God, but help us to remember that the temple, the temple where we worship you is, is us ourselves, is the residence of Jesus in our heart and the Holy Spirit in our soul. And God, let us act each day as if that were the case. Let us represent you well and be Christ-like in all we do. 
As always, I pray for the empty places in the pews that, you, that they serve as a reminder that there's room here, not only in this church, but for a relationship with you. May we be always inviting and welcoming to all we meet. In your name we pray. Amen.